What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network, your number one destination for pop culture, news, and entertainment. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jan Banks. J.M. Banks today, huh? Yeah, it's always J.M. Banks. All right, we have... Uh, you don't listen to your your d- 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 episodes. You just no, you usually go by John Michael That's Banks. not. It's every episode is J.M. Banks. Okay, well, I'm E.A. Hoffman. <laughs> we want to give a very special shout out to our listeners, and we appreciate your continued support. First, in order to keep up with us, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share the show. Also, for our Facebook users, search Urban Alchemy on Facebook and join the community. It's interactive, growing, and you'll be able to receive the most up-to-date information on the podcast and what we're doing here in the Kansas City area. All right, bro, what's been going on with you lately? Uh, With me, not too much. Just working as usual. And yeah, got another great movie review for you guys today for our Monday Media Reviews. Uh, Yeah, we are still in our Nolan series wrapping that up probably going to be our last one since eric has not seen interstellar or and i have not seen tenant we both have not seen tenant so probably going to be wrapping this up um this week and moving into probably what would we say um burton timothy burton little timmy burton all right i really look forward to that what do you think we should start out with you think we should start out with batman edward scissorhands what uh, I I think I'd say Scissorhands. Scissorhands probably his like definitive work. Okay, well, yeah, that's pretty much the full burden. That's that's full burden. That's yeah. full Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's the it's the yeah. Certain like when you look at uh, directors like uh, Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. and Tim Burton, like they have their muses, they have their ambiances that they kind of recreate. And yeah, Johnny Depp is his muse, just like Leonardo DiCaprio is. Um, Scorsese's Scorsese's and um, who would you say is uh, Nolan's Nolan is is Michael Caine Michael Caine yeah it's, it's, it's just Michael Caine he's been in every single film since the dark uh, well yeah since yeah. Uh, Batman Begins yeah absolutely you're right it, one way or another whether it's just a voice role or something like that he's been in every single one even Dunkirk you're right you're absolutely right um, I forget Dunkirk yeah it was a Nolan movie have you ever seen Dunkirk yeah, I have. Extremely long. Extremely long, and once again, he does not handle time very well, mm. although he's very fascinated by time. He does not <laughs> handle time very well in that film, although I was impressed by the performances of Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy, as well as the young children in the, that film. Yeah. Uh, before we get into it, music for the episode is going to be brought to us by a young Kansas City rapper by the name of Yale, track entitled Fireworks. So be sure to stay around to the end of the episode for that track. And yeah, let's just get into it. So Christopher Nolan wrapping this up. Uh, so, so far we've discussed about Mr. Nolan that he has a very specific type of filmmaking. Uh, mm-hmm. He's very hands-on. He's very, um, he knows what he wants, even if the details don't necessarily support his plot details. Uh, but yeah, in, uh, go ahead and tell them what we're going into today. Okay, so today we're going into discussion about 2010's box office smash, Inception. Uh, it's an espionage, espionage noir thriller. Would that be how you describe it? Yeah, it's uh, dream heist. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting 
film. Uh, it's an original screenplay written by Christopher Nolan, and he also directs. I really think, personally, I think that this is one of the best screenplays to come out, original screenplays to come out in the last 10 to 12 years. I, I really do enjoy it, but it's not without its faults. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's just to say the least. I mean, this... Would you say this is full on Nolan, the full Nolan? Absolutely. Okay. He goes balls to the wall with this movie because it's like Nolan's a very grounded director. However, you know, with movies like The Prestige or, or Inception or, or as I hear Tenet, it has these fantastical elements that are kind of grounded more in science mm -hmm. or reality. So he has that uh, fantastical element where he can kind of reach out, you know, into the unknown right but he does it in such a way where it's like not ridiculous or over the top like with the dark knight trilogy yeah yeah um i really enjoyed this film i believe i saw it twice in theaters um let's talk about the first thoughts we had when we saw the trailer for like do you remember what you first thought when you saw this trailer uh yeah, I thought confusion. Mm. Like um I felt like the guy in the hallway has been right. revolving like what's going on? Yeah, worlds and cityscapes bending. Um Yeah. I knew it had to deal with dreams. I knew that uh Tom Hardy had a lovely line in the in the uh trailer, you have to dream a little bit bigger, darling, or something along those lines. And yeah. you know, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. I had just recently at that time watched him perform in Bronson, Bronson. so really excited to see him in this film uh it was Christopher Nolan's first time with a big time A-list star in the lead role which was Leo mm. uh as much as we love Christian Bale uh, he was he's not the caliber of Leonardo DiCaprio the box office draw and what I hear originally he wanted Will Smith to star in the role oh wow um glad well, he didn't do that well, I'm glad he didn't do that as well. But I think, <laughs> I think we in a dream. <laughs> but I do think that the casting in this piece is pretty much spot on. I don't, I don't Absolutely. think anybody is out of place. Um, I would say they did Avengers type casting where it's like we're not going to go for huge stars, right? We're going to go for lesser known, very talented people like Jordan Gordon Levitt, yeah, or. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Joseph, excuse me, Joseph Gordon Levitt or uh, Ellen Page. Yes. Or, you know, these people who had a name already established from like lower indie movies, mm -hmm. but hadn't really, you know, broken out. They could have gotten XYZ for these movies, but they were just like, let's start small. And then these people became names like Tom Hardy. I'm relative unknown at that point, unless you've seen Bronson, which was a smaller movie. Right. And Ellen Page with Juno and, and Joseph Gordon Levitt with his whole career. But we can't also forget one of our favorites, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, of course, yes. And he does an excellent job in this film. He really does. Not really uh, giving a whole lot, but yeah. And Kim Watanabe as well. Oh yeah, yeah. He 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 does well as a Sado or Sado. I can't remember. Sado. Sado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a really good film. But like I said, uh, you, the film is inf infinitely memeable. Mm. It's been parody on South Park. Uh, this is where the bombs come from. Yeah, uh, it's when the people... dream within a dream within a dream. Right. So More when convoluted. when you hear the sound bomb, it's it's kind of like 
Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer's signature, mm. but then other composers hijacked it yeah. for c- commercials or other movies, um, shows in particular. You just know, just a parody. Yeah, just a parody. It makes anything sound very <laughs> dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you want to get into it right now? Or? Yeah, I, well, if you're listening to this, we assume you've seen Inception, and so heavy spoilers. Heavy spoilers. It's we, an 11 year old film. You can't just talk. You can't talk about Nolan movies without spoiling the crap out of him but yeah let's get into it uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Dominic Dom Cobb who is a uh, extractor is what mm-hmm. they call it I, that's another thing I like with this movie has how they build the mythology like this is like the secret world but you know there are these these different aspects or these different occupations within this you know dream world where you have extractors you have the people who who mix up the the drugs so you can go into the dream state mm-hmm. you know you have the people uh, like Tom Hardy who can change his appearance in the dream state like all these little facets uh, that add into this mythology of this secret world that Christopher Nolan feels 100% comfortable not giving you any information about all we're told is this is a mil- experimental military technology mm-hmm. they use to uh, extract information via dreams so it's like okay, I'm I'm very. That was probably the thing I went into the movie most excited about to learn about, and then it was just like that's what they went into the least amount. Like I know more about Killian Murphy's conglomerate than I know about this dream machine. Yeah, well, I think you and I had had a discussion like this weekend, just discussing about the dream machine. I think that it was originally intended to be uh, the the scenes were originally intended to be shot or the explanation of how they worked and the machinations of it, but I think he just didn't shoot it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to explain it. Yeah, because it's like you have to put somebody to sleep and then you have to attach this machine to them. They have to be in such a deep sleep that they won't wake up for a long period of time. And we see that later on when they have have to extract information from Killian Murphy's character and they have to have a flight from some somewhere to Los Angeles is it Tokyo to Los Angeles it was some ridiculously uh it was a very long flight yeah 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 it's yeah, it probably like Japan or something yeah and so basically they're in this dream so that Sato can essentially absorb Killian Murphy's character's company but he needs it to be out of Killian Murphy's own volition that he does not want to continue to pursue his father's work that he actually wants to divest that company sell it to Sato and go from there yeah I think the important thing to uh, mention is that with this uh, dream technology their main purpose is to go into dreams and extract information Mm -hmm. so they go in there and they want to get the secrets but this particular instance they're doing the reverse they're going Mm -hmm. into plant an idea as opposed to extracting an idea so this is supposed to be a highly experimental never been done before thing where it's just like it's complicated it's impossible but they have this you know, very complicated plan on how they're going to have it. And I think that's where my, you know, where I kind of fall off the train. Well, basically that is for the title's sake, uh, Inception. Yes. So I think... Um, that's the name of the movie. 
Right. I think either Leo's character or Tom Hardy. No, it may have been Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character where they say, if I tell you not to think about elephants, what do you think about? Elephants. Yeah. So ba that's basically how they go ahead and implant this idea in Fisher, Killian uh, Murphy's character. So it's really quite an interesting concept, but the film doesn't really have a bad guy. Well, they have an antagonist, two antagonists, I would say. Maul, which is Leonardo DiCaprio's or Dom's uh, deceased wife. And then Time itself, I would also say, mm. is an antagonist, um, which is a main theme of Christopher Nolan's movies, Time, and mm. Time is of the essence, and we only have X amount of time, or we wish we could have more time. Uh, basically, we wish we could have more time, in the prestige uh dark knight deals with a little bit with time and flashbacks etc cetera, etc cetera. but this one just takes it to a whole new level of dreamscapes and how time is perceived in the dream and then you have different layers of the dream which go from hours to days to months to years which is ultimately limbo which isn't necessarily adequately explained it's explained in the moment which is just a lot of exposition to take in very quickly that's kind of why you have to watch this movie on multiple viewings to kind of understand um, what the director slash writer is trying to convey through his characters yeah and it's in very interesting because you know there's so little we do know about our dreams because there's no way for us to actually track them or record them or, or know exactly what they're like once we're in them so he has a lot to play with uh, and he definitely uses everything in his repertoire to create these uh, scenes where that's just amazing because you know once they get into the actual dreamscape then they start the plan of putting him under again in the mm -hmm. dream uh, so he's going in another dream and it's just like once you go into another dream time slows down even more so it's like you're tracking time in separate realities and it's like this is this is very impressive the way you know you have one thing going on in the real world one thing going on in the first level of the dream mm -hmm. one thing going on in the second level of the dream and then the real actual mission happening within the third level and right. it, the, each one is just something crazy like gunfights and you know they they people have been able to train their minds to have defenses against these uh, infiltrators right. so it's like a security team attacking you out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And you can die in these dreams. You can get shot and uh, go to limbo pretty much. Right. Um, <clears throat> and limbo is this just infinite, timeless void right. of, of sleep, I guess, within your own mind. You're just trapped within your own it's mind. It's like a purgatory yeah. of sorts, a permanent purgatory. Yeah, no time, no beginning, no ending. Um, and they, they, they make sure to tell you that, that Leonardo... Uh, Capri Dom and, and Maul have both experimented with um, Limbo right. and pretty much got lost in the vast nothingness or vast infinity of it and became unable to differentiate reality from, um, from dream. Right, and that's one of the issues with Maul's character. Uh, this is something that haunts Leonardo DiCaprio and his subconscious literally all the, all the time. <laughs> And so it makes him sort of an ineffective infiltrator. Because um, he has this constant figure following him, trying to kill him. Right. Uh, and it's his guilt. 
yeah yeah absolutely and i think the character of maul is really interesting uh the actress uh marion cotillard i believe is how you pronounce her name and we're gonna have to get to that name one more time when we discuss big fish so i better have it uh down locked by then um but uh she stalks him uh she basically went mad at one point in time believing that she was still sleeping that she would never see their children again i believe the names were ryan and philippa um but she essentially jumped out a window uh trying to wake up because she thought she was in a continuous dream cycle well not just that she frames dom for her murder right Uh, she she pretty much puts him in a situation where she feels like he's the one who's lost in the dream and Mm -hmm. she's trying to put him in a situation where it's like okay now you have to jump because if not in the dream world you're going to be a murderer right and then she jumps to her death and leaves a note saying that that dom was the one who did it and it was just like damn like now you're stuck in this horrible so he's pretty much on the run Mm-hmm. And his main goal is to see his kids again, uh, which, you know, he can't. So he has to do these odd jobs. So when he's approached by Sato, uh, Sato and given the opportunity to do this job, this impossible job, that's his uh, that's his silver lining. Yeah, because him. he's basically on the run. He's outside of the United States. This will be his ticket to getting uh stateside to be able to be reunited with his children uh all charges will be dropped so this is the character's motivation essentially yeah and i really did like that aspect of it of um like you said there is no uh antagonist in the movie except for maul who is right. frightening truly frightening the first time she pops up in the movie uh it's just like pop, just out of nowhere and i believe she stabs ellen page right and it's just like who the hell is that right and the only person that really knows about this is Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. And Michael and, Caine. And Michael Caine, of course, yeah. Michael Caine knows all. Yes. He knows everything. The voice of omnipotence. Right. <laughs> so, um, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character knows about Maul and tells Elliot Page about this. And basically, you know, explains to her this is you know who it is although we need you as an architect we have to have the dream world so complex that Cobb can't manifest Maul to navigate it and interrupt the mission so that's why Dom is no longer the architect of these missions yeah he can't be trusted (laughs) yes he can't be trusted because Maul will know where to go and ruin everything so she is a bright student under the tutelage of uh, michael kane is that not correct yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh pretty much michael kane is uh recruited mm-hmm. or she he's recruited her or given dom the information that that's the person you need to talk to because that's the person talented enough to do what you need done right uh but yeah it's just very interesting them breaking down the um schematics of how the dream world works and why they need an architect and you know how to invent these infinity scapes where it's just like continuous loops and not let the um, subconscious characters in the other person's mind don't let them on to the fact that you're infiltrated otherwise Mm -hmm. everything's going to break loose and then you got the squad cars of people trying to kill you Uh, but yeah I definitely like that aspect I like the fact that you can manifest your guilt or you can manifest your 
uh, mental baggage into mm-hmm. something dangerous and it just lets you know like if this was something that's real ordinary ordinary people probably wouldn't have access to it because we have screwed up minds we have mm-hmm. you know problems and issues that we would probably manifest and kill ourselves in this right. dream world but it, that was a very interesting thing for him to throw in because there is no bad guy uh, unless you're thinking of Killian Murphy as the as the bad guy but he's not really doing anything bad besides yeah, he's like a grieving son yeah, and that plot line is super beautiful. You know, yeah. him just going to the deepest recesses of his of his mind and seeing the smallest thing, like well, I believe it was a windmill, uh, one of the little yeah spinning windmill that he made as a child. Yeah, and that was like the the core thing mm-hmm. to his life, and it's just like that really made me think a lot. Like, what would be in my safe? <laughs> right, right. You know, what's that core thing that is just like, oh wow, like that's what what your um that's what everything you do is built off of like mm-hmm. that one insignificant little thing it's like rosebud and um citizen kane mm-hmm. it's like that sled is that like, is a movie i have not seen in almost 20 20 years yeah if you haven't seen it it, it just is the uh, the millionaire dies and says rosebud and people are trying to figure out what the hell mm-hmm. it, what is it what what is it what what ties to this conglomerate's life and it's a sled, you know, it ties back to a childhood like most things do with us. Right. But yeah, it, it really was reminiscent of Citizen Kane for me, that, that scene, which was beautiful because it was just like this man wanted the respect of his father and, you know, it really does tie the movie together because mm-hmm. it, it does give him the, that sense of fulfillment and uh, resolution with his right. father. And <clears throat> but at the, at the same at the same time, it really gives you that. Uh, that sense that it's resolved like you get the sense like he kind of you know it didn't come to him on his own but you get the sense of why he would think that it's mm-hmm. just confusing when you really think of it like it's it's a very confusing plot but it's still I still can find some beauty in it yeah absolutely and I definitely think that the Killian Murphy uh, Fisher storyline is beautiful and it's sad because all these people around him are trying to manipulate him yeah. into really diving deeper and deeper into his subconscious to um, convince him, to convince him basically to, you know, sell this company, divest all the shares and stock and et cetera, et cetera, to say though. Um, so do you think that Killian Murphy's character is truly free or do you think it's just a manner of manipulation? Ooh, that, that's a great question because you don't know. Uh, right. Because on one hand, it's like that was still there. Like that was still probably in his subconscious. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just prodded him in the, you know, they're, they're, they could have prodded him in any direction they wanted to at that point. Like The power of suggestion is con- so <laughs> when you're on YouTube at night, do you think that the algorithm is just prodding you into? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. It, it knows, you know, just like, oh, you might be interested in this. And it's right. Just like, they know so basically uh dom's infiltration team is youtube (laughs) (laughs) right break up the monopoly right giving him uh, the algorithm that he needs in order to uh find his most inner darkest most valuable wants yeah and desires but that's actually a real uh psychiatric technique called psychic driving no really yeah and it's dangerous because you can plant an idea in someone's mind and that's why people don't use like hypnosis for Mm -hmm. like therapy for like the criminally insane because you can convince them of something 
and that can be even more dangerous because right. now you just have this person who's been convinced and now they're uh, not necessarily acting on their own volition they're mm-hmm. just doing it because it's in their head now and you put it there so right. it's an extremely unethical practice um, but it's possible you know you consistently plant an idea in someone's head until it comes to the surface okay that's interesting that's not the same as like false childhood memories or anything like that where people like a parent manipulates and says oh your father used to steal from us when we were when you were a kid that's why we're divorced or whatnot so the child goes their entire life thinking that their father was a thief when really mom just absconded away maybe with another man or just decided she didn't want to be with dad yeah absolutely that's that's a possibility to even putting uh false memories in in people's minds like that happened with like uh molestation cases where where cops would would pretty much condition kids to be like where did where did they touch you at point at the doll and it's just Mm -hmm. like now you're putting the kid in a situation where it's just like oh i I have to point at a place now because even if it didn't necessarily happen right so yeah that that's something that goes into effect also but yeah just thoughts dreams ideas the impact and importance and perhaps the uh, magnitude of coercion is Mm. probably one of the main themes within this film yeah because when i first initially watched this movie i was just like that's weird um because by the traditional film landscape Killian Murphy would be your your bad guy, your antagonist, because mm-hmm. that's the one we're trying to stop uh, from doing something. But in all actuality, all they're trying to do is help another rich guy to get interest in this company and, right. and break apart this big conglomerate that's that's too big for uh, was it energy? I believe so. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen the film. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't like the fate of the world depends on this. It right. was like we are doing this strictly for money. And they, they, they make a point to uh, tell you like a lot, like the majority of work that goes into these dreamscapes are for corporate espionage. Like mm-hmm. they're infiltrating dreams to get ideas from corporations. So it's like, uh, it's very, uh, it's very true that they would probably privatize this type of technology mm-hmm. uh, very quickly. And it makes me think, what was the, the government using it for initially? Mm-hmm. If, if it's just widespreadly used for corporate stuff, what the hell was the government using it for? Right. It's never really explained. It's always there's there's a lot in this film that's left to interpretation or left to uh speculation as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Christopher Nolan, um let's go into the uh cons of it. Uh what would you say were the shortcomings of this movie for you? Shortcomings, um there's a bit of convolution. Mm. Not a whole bunch. Uh this isn't this isn't along the lines of um, maybe his later works. Um, I think Dunkirk is a bit more, way more convoluted than this, mm. uh, just because of uh, time is so boring, <laughs> so boring, persistent. so drawn out. Uh, yeah, um, I, I would say the convolution, and I, I would say that um, there was an easier way to explain some things. I really enjoyed the fight scenes, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes there's quite a bit of exposition in the film and it's at the height of something important going on on screen. Mm-hmm. Like 
uh, just the action elements and stuff like that. So it becomes a little bit hard to follow at times. That's why this is a film that requires multiple viewings, but that's really about it. I really enjoyed the acting and a lot of other elements of the film. What about yourself? Yeah, you know me, with Christopher Nolan, I could use a little bit more information mm-hmm. if it wasn't too much for him. Just uh, give me some some more, you know, flesh it out a little bit more. I understand why it's better to leave certain aspects of the story vague because mm-hmm. you don't have to get trapped in certain, you know, entanglements trying to flesh everything out, which I get. But no, I, I think the story is very good, but I do feel like, like you said, there's certain instances where it's too much going on. Mm-hmm. Like it, within the dream, within a dream, within the a dream, dream it's just like, you're in limbo. where am I? Like, is this even happening? Is this You know what I just w- thought? Okay, so if you're able to physically use the, I don't know what it's called, the dream machine. That's, yeah, that's I mean, what it's called. Okay, the dream machine. In the real world, how do you intangibly use the dream machine in a dream because you don't actually have the serum yeah you don't have in, anything right you're, you're just in a dream so it's not real it's not really happening there's um, I mean the serum on the first in reality is happening where you're injecting it into somebody and they're you know you're entering their mind well hold on how do you actually enter their mind oh. I mean you have four separate five, six, seven, seven separate cases of this dream machine. How does it know? Oh, okay. Remember the, um, the flight attendant, she Mm -hmm. had the, um, some sort of node that was a dream machine and that put everybody to sleep and caused them to go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Wi-Fi area. Cause the first one's in the plane and the second one's in a car. Um, I forget what the third one is. Is there a third one? Because the, the second third one, the the third one is where they're in the um. Is it the third one where they're in the snow? Okay, yeah. So that was the last one. That was the last one. That was the last one. When they're in the car, you know, you got to do these things called kicks, you know, right. to shock you back to the previous level. Right. And yeah, that was just very. Uh, and then everything on the on the next level slowed down. And right. it's just so crazy to look at. I love that scene where they're driving off the cliff because mm-hmm. he has to do the kick to wake everybody in the car up. And it's just slow motion while they're on that snow level wrapping up the mission. And then it's just so crazy to think of with time because it's just, it's time. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's why I haven't watched Tenet yet because I just don't have the brain power yet to be like, all right, let's, let's fuck with time travel now. Because, yeah. yeah, just the dreamscape aspect of Nolan was like, it's too much sometimes. And then we get to the end of the movie, and it's just like, what's It's a cliffhanger. On? Yeah, not just a cliffhanger. It's just like, okay, technically Leo fails the mission. He's just stuck in limbo. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, this place we're already told you can never get out of. Right. And somehow, we had you to go, go get... to the ending? Well, the... This has been probably the most hotly debated ending over the last decade. True. I mean, this came out in 2010, so it's 2021, so the last decade plus one year. And I don't believe even Christopher Nolan has given an answer. We don't know at the end if Leo succeeded or he did not succeed. Um, 
at the beginning of the film, he's seen being dragged on shore to a very old man that looks like he's probably a hundred years old. And basically he states that the old man says he's seen uh, something. What, what do they call a token? Is that what they're called? A uh, totem. Totem. Okay. So he saw, he sees a spinny top basically that Leo's character carries around. And he said, well, I knew somebody that, you know, carried this many, many, many years ago. And so basically what you find out towards the end of the movie that this character is Sato, who has been stuck in limbo uh, for however many (laughs) eons it looks like. And he's here to come back and get him because he has to make sure that Sato lives in order to fulfill the promise that, you know, we're going to get rid of, you know, all these charges that you killed your wife. And, um, Towards the end of the film, it gets all serendipitous. Everyone's all happy. You know, Leo's basically being greeted by everyone at the airport and uh, Michael Caine's character. And he sees that his mission is a success. And then at the end, you know, he gets home to his children and, you know, he gets to hug them for the first time. But, you know, in order to make sure that you're in reality rather than the dream world, you have to have this totem. And his totem, like I stated before, is a spinny top type of deal. And he spins it on the table to see if it's going to be perfectly balanced, if it's going to knock over, what's going to happen. If it continues to perpetually spin, then that means that he's still dreaming. However, when we see the spinny top start to maybe wobble just a tad, the film cuts out. So we don't know. So your interpretation is what? That's that's the thing. You don't know. You don't know if he ever made. I would say theoretically, after the buildup of the whole movie and them telling us that Limbo was this inescapable place, once you get there, mm-hmm. I would say he didn't make it out. I would say mm-hmm. his brain he just began to lose his mind. Like like they said, like once you're in Limbo for a certain amount of time, you lose your mind because that's what time does. Like it's, a, it's like solitary confinement almost. Right. Like your brain just begins to stretch and you begin to make your own reality and that's what i think may probably happen to leo because he leaves the top he spins the top and then he leaves it because i i think in his mind he's like i don't care if Mm -hmm. it's real or not like and plus he also says he you know he's never able to see his kid's face right faces in the dream and then once he saw his children's faces he didn't care if it was a you know dream or not he figured it was it was reality because that was good enough for him Right, and I think that one of the more interesting things that maybe adds credence to your argument that he still is dreaming and just perpetually in limbo is that his kids are wearing the same exact clothes throughout the entire film and even at the end of the film. So it's more than likely that he is still dreaming and he's in limbo, but is that better for him to think that he's here rather than live in a world where he fit, where he's potentially failed his mission and not going to actually uh, see his kids. So in other words, is it better to die as a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain? Um, (laughs) Sure. No, it is very Shutter Island reminiscent where it's just like, did he really succeed? I mean, at the end of the day, is that, you know, 
is is that his happy ending? Mm-hmm. Because even if he did make it out the dream, he still has to explain to his kids like what happened to their mother. He still has to explain to them like he's been a criminal essentially, just stealing right. thoughts from people. Like he's still it's not gonna be a perfect ending for him. But in this scape, I think that's his perfect ending. Where it's like the kids come back, everything's forgiven. Mm-hmm. And it's just like no, you've been on the run as a fugitive. You're still in this. I think he was still in this. Yeah, I'm going to say so as well. You know, it's something that I thought about for a couple of years after the film, but I think he's ultimately still in the dream. Yeah. So what would you give this film overall? Mm, I would say this is going to be a seven for me. A seven? Really? Okay, I'd give it substantially higher. I'd give it an eight and a half out of ten. I mean, visually, it's a great great movie great acting great cast but story-wise it, it just leaves too much for me to be like what what is going on i need more details mm-hmm. but I, I think it just didn't have that same um story element like the prestige had where it was just like it has loose ends but i'm cool with them i'm totally mm-hmm. cool not having to dig into them but i feel like with inception it was just too many unanswered questions for me to feel like i can I, understand that i, I got the story yeah still the prestige definitely my favorite Nolan film but you know I can understand that bro well that's cause the prestige you're gonna watch and you're gonna find new things but like Inception you watch and you just have more questions mm, okay like, <laughs> I'm even more confused thinking about more stuff but yeah right. I, I it was a very confusing first watch and then after the maybe second or third time I was just like I think I get it but I it's, it still eludes me I, I still don't even know if I have the gist of it mm-hmm. And I, like I told you before, I don't know if comp movies are supposed to be that complicated. Okay. So that's why it gets a seven for me. Because it's just like Christopher Nolan, like full blown Nolan. Full it's Nolan. The full Nolan. That's like he doesn't what... have to explain shit about machines or time space or limbo or anything. Like he's just, just get on the roller coaster and ride the ride. Right. So I think next time, like you said, we'll talk about Edward Scissorhands. We'll start delving into the mind of. Um, Tim Burton and we'll go from there another Batman director and um, we'll probably draw some parallels of when you hire Tim Burton and you give him <laughs> when, when you say to Tim Burton these are the story beats that you have to follow these are your directives yes, that's, that, is, that would be Batman Batman 89 you, you have to follow this but the follow up Batman Forever that's the full Burton I'm not Batman Forever, excuse Uh, me, Batman Batman Returns. Returns, That's the full Burton. And beyond that, the Burton that's gone too far is probably Edward Scissorhands. I I love that film. I think that Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, um, Vincent Price do an excellent job in that film. It's a very heartfelt film. And that's one of the things that I like about Burton films. When you get to the core of them, a lot of them particularly the ones in the 90s, I would say are really heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And I really want to get to Big Fish as well. I think that was 2000 or 01, yeah, but yeah. that was a really heartfelt film as well. So, you know, I really look forward to that and we can have those discussions because uh, I really want to expose our audience to artistic types of movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burden is... Yeah, and Burton is much like uh, Nolan because he goes full Burton, and it's just like, wow, how do we get here? 
uh, especially if you've seen like Dark Shadows or you know oh, certain things. Oh well, God, that is horrible. Yes, yeah, Johnny Depp. He was just like, it, it, we got a lot to go into. Well, uh, do I hope we don't have to cover Dark Shadows because that is probably <laughs> the worst Tim Burton film that I've ever seen. I didn't enjoy it, Big Eyes. I've never seen Big Eyes, uh, but I think that was a studio film. That wasn't really a Burton film. The last Burton film I saw was Dumbo, and I didn't like it. I didn't see Dumbo, no. No, not enjoyable whatsoever. I thought that the team-up of Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton again would be great, but I can tell he really wanted to cast Johnny Depp in the Keaton role. (laughs) Like, he really wanted to so badly, but I don't know what prevented him from doing so. I'm not sure if it's the recent scandal with uh, Amber Heard or whatnot, but, yeah, it just was not a great film whatsoever mm. yeah and uh, burden has lost uh i don't know i think he's just lost that that excitement I feel yeah like. the last good burton film i saw was sweeney todd and that's not even a Bert, burton original it's no. based off a stage play yeah absolutely the um, stage play is fantastic the film is great so i highly recommend those that film yeah helen bon carter johnny depp of course, his muse, Johnny yes. Depp. Those are his ingredients. You want to do uh, Ed Wood or you want to stay away from Ed Wood? I want to stay away from Ed Wood. That's stay. a weird movie. I like Ed Wood quite a bit. It's it's Johnny Depp going full uh, Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Ed Wood. Yes. The worst director of all time. Yeah. It's, it's just, just shoot. It doesn't have to look good. We'll get it in post-production. <laughs> just imagine M. Night Shyamalan, Joel Schumacher, Michael Bay and George Lucas all had a child, and that it's Ed Wood. Yeah, that that movie is weird. I remember watching it when I was young, and I was just like, "What the fuck?" And it's just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, this is Tim Burton, also." Right. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get into it, bro. But you got anything else? No, that's all I have for uh, the master, uh, Christopher Nolan. Okay, um, our Nolan series. We also really want to thank everybody that gave us consideration for the Kansas City's uh, People's Choice Award. We were very honored to be nominated. Unfortunately, we did not make the final round, but we are so thankful for our listeners, our supporters, and everybody that took the time out of their busy schedule to vote and show some love to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys out there. We do definitely appreciate that and your support and just making it that far. So, you know, better luck next year. Uh, but yeah, be sure to uh, make sure you are continuing to watch those nominations and please vote and support. Uh, we still have our friend Kim, Kim Newsena in the running for best podcast. So that is who my vote's going to. So make sure you support my friend Kim. And yeah, just shout out to everybody out here in Kansas City who's doing things in the city and just trying to make their own lane. We will continue to bring you our movie reviews, our interviews, relationship talks, everything else that makes this podcast the best podcast in Kansas City. So please continue to check us out. Uh, Yeah, once again, music for the episode is going to be brought to us by Kansas City rapper by the name of Ayel and his track entitled Fireworks. So be sure to check him out. Link in the episode descriptions. Well, brother, it's been good uh, doing this with you one more again. So hopefully we'll be able to do this, what, next week? Yeah. Have something drop for our listeners. Uh, So once again, thank you all for supporting us. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jane Banks. And until next time. Yeah. Peace.
We'll catch you all later. You stay safe uh, and stay blessed. I gotta let you know. I'm stressing over shit that's out of my control. Can't let it go. That shit was getting to me and I can't let it show. I can't find position in your progression, so I just let you go. I know that we'll cross paths again eventually. That's inevitable. Shit, I've been trying to move out west with palm trees. My brother paranoia peeking. I'm 40 still in arms reach. Like, get them demons off of me. Why trouble tend to follow me? I know my granny praying. She one of the few that think a lot of me. Don't tell me that you love me just to leave me. Don't tell me my frustration was unprovoked. I got my reasons. I ain't worried about what such and such was doing. I'm not competing. And I ain't never heard nobody tell me that they need me. But I be feeling like Somehow they need me. I always find a way. Putting work like I was trying to stay. It was times I couldn't find the words. PTSD, I hate fireworks. Send me that you think I'm not for. Forever in my favor, in my focus. Send me that you think I'm not for. They try and make that call, cause they gon' trip if I'm involved. It's only us. Focus on myself and she gon' come around and in no rush. Ain't heard from you in months. You felt defeated. Use me as a crutch. But she always tell me about her old nigga. I'm like, don't tell me about your ex, cause that ain't needed. When they told me gang had turned into a snitch, I ain't believe it. Well connected. If I told you shit was hot, you should believe me. I ain't never heard nobody tell me that they need me, but I be feeling like Somehow they need me. I always find a way, putting work like I was trying to stay. It was times I couldn't find the words. PTSD, I hate fireworks. Send me that you think I'm never Forever in my favorite, I'm for with you. Send me that you think I'm never Forever in my favorite, if I'm always.